0: This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm a lead pastor here at Cornerstone. And today, I want to talk briefly about Israel. Um, I'm certain that you, like me, have been watching the news, reading the reports, First of the just tragic um, attack from Hamas on the people. In Israel at the beginning of the month of October in 2023, and now the, the rise and escalation toward war that may be happening between Israel and Hamas and fears of that spreading throughout the Middle Eastern region. There's so much that is in the news and on our hearts, and I get asked a lot of questions about this in particular because obviously the kind of geographical location for a lot of the Bible that we read is set against the backdrop of Israel, a chosen people of God. And people ask me, Mark, what does this war have to do right now with Israel? Does this relate to the end times? How do you see all of this? And so, what I want to say at the outset is, I think. The viewpoints that I'm going to express here, I'm going to try to explain briefly through kind of three lenses. First, I'm going to try to explain how should we be thinking as Christians right now in light of the biblical data around the end times. Does a war or escalation of wars happening in Israel have anything to do with the times of the end? Secondly, I want to talk about how we should think about just war in general. As Christians, how do we approach something as difficult as this war? Is it justified? What should be happening there? I've got a few ways to, for how to think on the end times and how to war, but I really want us to talk about how to pray. Um, at the end of this. No matter how we think about these things, there's a certain posture of prayer that I think all of us should be in at times like this. And my hope is that all of this helps to root us in scripture and helps to give us an anchor of truth in times of tumult. And so first, let's talk a little bit about how we should think about this in light of the biblical teaching on the end times or the doctrine of eschatology as theologians would refer to it. And in this, there's two major factors that are going to relate to how you see this. One is how you think of Israel, like the nation state of Israel, in relationship to the end times prophecies in the scripture. And then the second one is how you see the doctrine of eminence, or if Jesus could return at any time, or if there are signs of the times that we're to be looking toward. So, what I first want to say is, in both of those questions first, how you see Israel, and secondly, how you see eminence, there is broad variation inside the Christian church. Christians, particularly Protestant Christians, Bible-believing evangelical Christians, have a deep level of agreement about what the Bible teaches about the times of the end. In the most important categories, okay, Every Christian everywhere agrees that what we are looking for at the end times are some beautiful wonderful truths that Christ will bodily return from heaven that we should be longing for the return of Christ that it should motivate us to holiness that no one knows the exact timing of when Jesus will be coming again But that the end result of the coming of Christ will be glory for God's people and judgment on God's enemies. All Christians everywhere agree to those things, and frankly, those are the most important factors when we think about the end times. But in this particular matter, what does the nation state of Israel have to do with the end times? And in particular, is the return of Christ imminent? Like, could it happen at any moment with no other signs? There is actually a ton of disagreement here, and all of us need Romans chapter 14 to guard our hearts and our thinking, which says that each of us is going to stand before our own master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should be careful not to judge our brothers and sisters in these matters um, too strictly. There's a way for you to be a good Bible-believing Christian and see how the nation-state of Israel works differently than others. But broadly speaking, I'm going to describe how people think about this. The major um, kind of loud voice that you're going to see if you turn on you know, cable Christian TV is a loud voice talking about how what is happening in Israel right now is a fulfillment of end times prophecies connected to the nation state of Israel. These, these voices are largely representative of a theological school called dispensationalism and or dispensational theology. A dispensational approach to the end times and to Israel, sees the promises that God made to the nation state of Israel, to the people of Israel, to Abraham's descendants, as fulfilled in in looking forward to a real return to a real physical land of Israel, that God promised Abraham, you're going to live in this area, and I'm going to give this area to your descendants. And therefore, many in this tribe of kind of dispensational theology would see, for instance, the establishment of the Jewish national state post-World War II as specifically connected to pieces of fulfillment of the promises that God gave to Abraham. They see a connection between the nation of Israel, and end times prophecy, all right? And in particular, that means that this crew, many of them are often a little bit more given to what you might call newspaper exegesis, where you're looking not just at the text of scripture, but you're looking at the signs of the times in the newspaper to tell you what God is up to in the world and whether something is going to be happening at the times of the end. They have a very literal reading of certain prophetic passages in the Old Testament, and they're looking at the nations of the world right now and asking, how is this going to be filled here or there? That's one way to see Israel. I would say, I think this is the loudest, perhaps, in cable news. It's perhaps the loudest on end times uh, broadcast. It tends to be the loudest voice in certain very prophetic um Elements of the Christian Church, but to be frank with you, I don't actually think it's the majority opinion in the uh, broader Evangelical Church in North America, and it's certainly not the majority opinion uh, more broadly across the world. What would be more common? Well, there's uh, two other views for how you see Israel in relationship to the end times that I'll touch on briefly. One that is probably a bit less common. But it is out there, is what we would call replacement theology, and replacement theology says uh, God was working with the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, but that actually as Jesus comes to the earth, there's a very clear way in which Israel rejects the Messiah, they, they, they say, no, we're not going to submit to God's law, and so God moves beyond the Jewish people to the Gentile people, and the new work of God in this age is not to work with the nation-state of Israel, but to work with a multinational entity called the church, that the church has replaced Israel in the program of God. Um, that's probably not the most common view. The most common view, you can see this in many aspects of covenant theology, or I my favorite book on this, frankly, is a book called Kingdom Through Covenant, which is a biblical theological understanding of the covenants. Um, that's written by Peter Gentry and Stephen Vellum. They're offering kind of a via media, like a middle ground between dispensational and covenant theology. And in their book, what they're going to describe is that God has made promises to Israel as a nation, and that, and there are particularly land promises connected to that. But that those promises are largely fulfilled in the full and surprising fulfillment of God through a new covenant, where His land promises He doesn't go back on them, but He expands them even further, both in their scope and in their audience. That God says to the the people who are Gentiles, once those of us who were not called God's people, to use the language of first. Uh, Peter have been called God's people, that we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people of his own possession, and that we're going to be inheriting not just a sliver of the land of Israel, but if you look at the end of Revelation chapter 21, the glory of God is going to come down from heaven. The people of God inherit the entirety of the earth. So that you even look at the the promises that we talk about in the Beatitudes in Matthew uh, chapter 5, where Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. He doesn't say the meek will inherit Israel the meek inheriting something even bigger because God's kingdom is coming through a new covenant of Jesus which expands and builds upon the promises given to Abraham to bless all the nations of the earth so in that sense the way you see Israel there is a relationship to the people who have Abraham's blood flowing through their veins, to the promises of God. Even, for instance, in my viewpoint, while I don't see the nation state of Israel as a fulfillment of the land promises of God, I do think God has a future plan for people who have Abraham's blood flowing through their veins, and I draw that from Romans chapter 11, which says there seems to be a kind of fullness of Israel coming to faith in Christ somewhere in the times of the end, but we don't know exactly how that's going to happen. Here's my point. My point is there are a number of different ways that good Christian people view the nation state of Israel, and the majority of those ways would not see anything happening in the headlines of Israel as telling us anything particular about the return of Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is both how they see Israel and secondly, how they see the doctrine of imminence. Now, this is a really important word. The the doctrine of imminence inside the study of the end times simply says this, that people who see the return of Christ as imminent, or at least probably imminent, are saying, That at any moment, that's what imminence means, at any moment, Christ could return. In other words, Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour, but you should be looking because I'm going to be returning soon. Those texts about imminence don't seem to tell us to look for a whole bunch of things happening in Israel or any signs of the times toward the end. Instead, we're to be looking not to a war in Israel, but we're to be looking to heaven for the return of the king. We're to be looking for Jesus to return, and he says, I could be coming at any moment in time, imminently. Therefore, the command is not look to the events of Israel, but look to the return of Jesus and be ready all the time. Okay, so let's summarize this. How should we think about the end times when we see all of these wars and rumors of wars and tumult in the Middle East and in particular with Israel? Well, my answer in many ways to that question is to say, I don't believe that anything happening in the headlines right now is telling us that anything specific about a promise of the end times or the, the return of Christ. Instead, I think it's a reminder, it's a very potent reminder, that at any moment in time, Jesus said all the time there's going to be ro- wars and rumors of wars, and we should be always prepared for the return of King Jesus. So, I think the best posture of Christians is to say, perhaps, perhaps, Some of this that is happening in the Middle East right now is part of an end times plan of God, but we don't know that fully. What we do know fully is that we are told to look to the coming of the king and be ready for Jesus to return. That's how I think we should be thinking about the end times in Israel. Okay, secondly, though, how do we think about a war in Israel? I mean, as you see the headlines of the brutality of the attack of Hamas, of the evil that was there... But then on the other side, you see the the immense suffering, the catastrophic humanitarian crisis that is going to happen all throughout Gaza, all throughout Palestine. What what are you supposed to do there? Okay, for these Palestinian people who are suffering, even on the other side, for the Israelis, the Jewish people who will be suffering, what are we to make of this? Well, a couple thoughts here will help us to think rightly about war. Um. First of all, we need to recognize that as we think about this just simply in looking at the world as it stands, we need to realize that the founding of Israel in its modern nation state, you know, post-World War II... While that was recognized fully by the United States and by the United Nations, it was recognized as a sovereign nation, and it is one. That recognition is vastly controversial throughout the Middle East, and it was never recognized by many, many of the Arab nations throughout the Middle East. That they do not believe in the nation state of Israel and have worked against it forever, all right? So, the founding of Israel as a nation state, while it's recognized by the US and UN, is deeply controversial and has been. But recognizing that Israel does exist as a sovereign nation, sovereign nations, Christians have taught for a long time through the just war theory and others that actually sovereign nations have a right to self-defense against enemy attack and in particular against terrorism. And so let's be very, very frank here. Every Christian everywhere should easily and immediately be able to condemn the attacks of Hamas as evil and from the pit of hell. The brutality and slaughter of innocence. The, the attacks of Hamas were atrocious. They were evil. They were absolutely indefensible. So, even frankly, if you believe, that actually, you know, the the nation state of Israel is fraught with difficulties and very controversial, that in no way, shape or form, justifies the slaughter of innocent civilians. Those acts were evil, and Israel as a nation state has a right to self-defense against evil and terrorism. So, action from Israel is defensible because of the evil that was committed. But I think we need also to say this very quickly against that. But in a war like this, can we be very frank? No one really wins in war. On both sides, there will be catastrophic loss in human suffering. The people in Israel will suffer. Palestinians will suffer. People in Gaza will suffer. There will be suffering at immense levels. No one really wins in war. That's that's why Christians were looking forward to the one true king. When King Jesus returns, he'll put an end to war. No more will sin and sorrow cease. There won't be a need because we'll have a good king ruling over all. So part of the reason we long for the return of King Jesus is because he is the ultimate bringer of peace. He is the ultimate one who wins all the wars and everyone submits to him. No one will win in this war. Like at the end of it, someone's going to claim victory. But frankly, the suffering inside of war, it's one of the reasons we long so deeply for heaven as Christians. So, how do we think rightly about the end times in Israel? I think it's a reminder that even while I don't believe this is telling us anything particular about an end times sort of um, escalation or a particular timeline from heaven about the times of the end. I don't think it's telling us this. I think it's a reminder we should be longing for the king. We should be looking to King Jesus. And how do we think rightly about war? We can immediately condemn as evil the slaughter of innocents. We can defend the right of a sovereign nation to defend itself, but we can also say on the backs of that that no one will win. That ultimately, people made in God's image on both sides will suffer tremendously. And those things should then direct our hearts. Right thinking should direct us to at least this right action for all Christians, is that we should pray. Recently, the, the Southern Baptist Convention put out a kind of resource to help people to pray in, during this Middle East conflict, and they gave five paths of prayer with five pieces of scripture, and I thought they were so good. These have been kind of in my mind as I'm praying. So first way to pray right now, pray for the hearts of all Israelis and all Palestinians to be drawn to Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus told the people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we pray, God, Let Israelis and Palestinians go to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Let them turn to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we should pray for government authorities to act in honorable ways that put back evil and lift up good. Romans 13 verses 1 to 3 says, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities because there's no authority except from God. The authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. Those who oppose God will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. So we pray, God, let evil be put back and good lifted up. Let governments act in honorable and compassionate ways. We should pray, thirdly, for mercy and compassion on those who are tremendously suffering. God is a God of mercy. He is the one Romans chapter 9 verse 16 describes him as the God who shows mercy. And so we pray, God, pour out your mercy and compassion on those suffering. Both Israelis and Palestinians, God, protect innocent life. Watch over those who are suffering. Fourthly, we should pray for all mankind to act as God desires. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, to walk humbly with your God. For all men to respond to this, we should pray. God, we pray. Let those who are on this earth, made in your image, learn to walk in your ways, God, to act justly, to love faithfulness, to walk humbly. And fifthly, we should pray for peace in the Middle East. Psalm thirty-four, fourteen: turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. So, God, we pray, let peace come in the Middle East. That's five ways to pray. We should, we should think carefully as Christians. We should. We should think theologically. What does the scripture say about the times of the end? How are we to think about Israel in relationship to the end? We should think carefully about what war looks like and what is just and what is justified and what is not. But at the end of it all, rather than just having a debate about what to do, this isn't just some sort of issue out there in the thinking realm. There are real people who are really made in God's image, who are really suffering. And so, all Christians everywhere, whenever we see the wars and rumors of wars in this world, we should long for the return of King Jesus and we should pray for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth the way that it is in heaven. And so even today, my hope is that this simple podcast would prompt you to pray for the Middle East and to ask God to work even in this time of severe crisis and war.